Hi, this is Andrew, and this is Keynote, the daily now.tv chat show with some of the world's leading thinkers and writers. Hello, everybody. It is March the 1st, 2022, a Tuesday. I'm talking, as always, from um, San Francisco on the west coast of the United States. New month, old story, very sad, troubling story dominating the news today. New York Times leads with uh, the civilian toll in the Ukraine rising in rocket attacks, two major strikes in Kharkiv, the second city of Ukraine. Uh, over 660,000 refugees have already fled Ukraine, so we already have another refugee crisis on top of the war. Um, uh, the Wall Street Journal also leads with the Russian targeting of civilian areas as missiles hit central Kharkiv. Um, the Financial Times talking about the growing globalized nature of the crisis suggests that Russia is ready to play a role in the Ukrainian ceasefire. One wonders exactly what that role might be. Um, we've done a number of conversations with figures from the Central University, uh, Central European University, which had been in Budapest and for various reasons has relocated to Vienna. Um, we did one, for example, with the sociologist Dorit Geva last uh, last year on the uh, on what she calls the auto nationalization of Hungary, the uh, authoritarian nationalism of um, of Viktor Orban, the Hungarian leader. And we're back today with two uh, two academics from um, from um, the Central University to talk. Uh, about um, the crisis uh, in the Ukraine. Uh, Maciej Kizalowski on the top uh, right-hand corner is a Polish academic. I spent some time in the United Kingdom. Uh, and uh, to my bottom, it's Inna Melnikowska, who's a Ukrainian, born in the Ukraine, uh, who's talking to me actually from Berlin. Uh, Maciej is in... Um, uh, Maciej is in... Um, uh, uh, his office in Vienna. Michele, let's uh, start with you. Um, it's a complicated situation, but we've done a couple of interviews uh, this week on the Ukrainian crisis. I talked to the Hungarian, uh, sorry, the Czech economist, uh, Thomas Sedlacek, uh, about the effectiveness of the economics of sanctions. Um and yesterday, I talked to the American science fiction writer, John Scalzi, on the situation. Uh, he had a blog post um, entitled, uh, Go Fuck Yourself and the World Today, in which he argued that um, the invasion of Ukraine feels like an inflection point, one where we chose who we want to be for the next few years, at least. Watch the people and the organizations who are defending Russia, Putin, and their goals right now. They are the people who have decided that other people don't matter and that matter, in fact, makes right. And that end justifies the means. Just as long as you can spin it, then it's not so bad. They've all known what Putin has planned in the Ukraine. In it, they see the blueprint of their own plans in other places against other people. Not always on the same scale or with tanks and guns, but always the same dynamic and the same goal, domination. You may, if you choose 
be on that side of things. Or you can choose to tell those people to go fuck themselves. Uh, Sedlacek has a similar message. He was demonstrating in Prague, uh, yes, uh, on Sunday when we spoke, and he had a sign, fuck you. So this may not be an appropriate uh, question um, to an academic, but uh, Mache, uh, are we at a fuck you moment uh, in world history where we really have to turn around to men like Putin and just tell them to fuck off? Uh, thank you so much, uh, Andrew. But if you don't mind, I think this question should go to Ina. Ina happens to be Ukrainian. It's her country. And I'll be happy to contribute, but I think she should answer that question. Well, um, like a good academic, Ina, um, Mache <laughs> has avoided that question and, it, and, and it's gone to you instead. So let me give it to you. Are we at a yeah, particularly from a, a Ukrainian point of view, you were born in Ukraine, you still have family there. I'm sure you're extremely worried and I appreciate you coming on the show. Um, is it really this simple that the world now has been divided into good and evil, light and darkness, and we have to choose our sides? Yes, I think it's a definite uh, such critical moment in um current history uh, because uh, this is far uh, far more than just a sort of local uh, conflict on the eastern border of Europe. It's, um, I would say, the conflict between liberal uh, world and uh, a kind of illiberal evil. <laughs> and uh, Ukraine is at the moment uh, on the front line. Um, you know where this... Uh, wording uh, stem uh, it is uh, it was the last words that were um, recorded uh, in the ear um, uh, um, I mean uh, about on the um, defender group of Ukrainian soldiers uh, on the yeah, island. Yeah, it was the, uh, the yes. sailors, yeah, who yes. we thought had died but actually might not have so they said fuck you to these Russian soldiers before perhaps losing lives, perhaps not. So it's a it's an attitude, Ina, and you, I'm assuming that you approve of this attitude. Yes, yes. So this, but I wanted to elaborate what this attitude mean, means for, for Ukrainians. Yes. So it means that we are not going to surrender Ukrainian army. Ukrainian people are not going to surrender and they will defend uh, their sovereignty, their territory, their families and the country, their future at the very end. And um, their future, they choose their, uh, this uh, trajectory towards liberal order already in 2014. And they uh, defended it through the years because Ukraine uh, um, is actually targeted by Russian forces not only a couple of days before. We have a low-scale war already our eight years since uh, uh, Russia invaded uh, and occupied Crimea. Uh, and also um, supported the war um, in the eastern parts of Ukraine. Well, I'm not going to let you off, Maciej. You still have to answer this. Uh, Ina had the first shot, the first bite. What about the view from Warsaw? You've had your ups and downs with the Russians as well, historically. Um, do you agree with her? I, I think uh, it's. Uh, I, I completely understand the sentiment. Um, and but I think it's very different if Ukrainians on the front lines putting 
their lives on the line are saying it, uh, then, you know, if, um, you know, we say it because it's cheap for us. Yes, it's, it's really, really cheap. And I worry that I, I don't want this whole story to become, you know, another entertaining uh, item for the Western public because there are like real people suffering. And there were also real, really big mistakes um, made uh, on the part of the West uh, that led us to this moment. So, yeah, it's very, um, uh, um, you know, um, heartwarming to say fuck you to Putin now. But, you know, how about um, supplying Ukrainians with all those weapons that are now rushed to Ukraine and they could have been supplied a year ago and actually decrease the chance that this war would happen because Putin uh, is not a madman, in my uh, opinion. It's, uh, it, it's, uh, it, he might, and he definitely have miscalculated, but he's not a madman. And if we increase the costs for him going in, there was a, a chance of him not going in. Now, uh, it's, it's, it's a horrible situation, but we need to, the entire, um, uh, you know, both Central European uh, NATO and EU member states and the West should look in the mirror and maybe this fuck you should also go to other people, not only now to Vladimir Putin, because it's, it's very cheap now. It's, it's very cheap. But it's it's horribly late, and and you know, and I am not uh, blaming you know in a, a typical you know Eastern European non-Western uh, uh, mode. I'm not blaming only the West. Um, I, I I just publish uh, a, a piece in Project Syndicate with a colleague from Warsaw where I blame my own country for you know, uh, f flirting with authoritarianism over the last few years. Well, what's the position now in Poland? I know the yeah, Hungarian... Yeah, now we are all for Ukraine. But how about not undermining the European Union and the European rule of law for the last six years? Yes, how about not allying ourselves with Viktor Orban, who in, in turn was the Hungarian strongman that you mentioned before, uh, who in turn was causing up with Putin for years? Yes, so so, yeah, now everybody is very brave, uh, and, but, but, the, but the problem is that all those mistakes and all those, you know, philosophizing about, oh, the liberal order is, you know, so old and maybe we should experiment with something and maybe we all, all want to be like China, you know, all of this weakened us, weakened the West, and now we are paying the... Well, we are not paying the price. I'm sorry for even starting this. We are not paying the price. The Ukrainian people are paying the price. Yeah, well said. Uh, in a, do you agree with Mache? Is this um, is this catastrophe? Certainly, from the Ukrainian point of view, um, uh, I, is there a degree yeah. of responsibility for the West not being willing to stand up to Putin over the last few years? Certainly, since Crimea or during Crimea. Definitely, uh, many Ukrainians uh, now point the fingers to uh, to the West, saying, uh, "Now you just recognize the threat uh, that we were talking about uh, since uh, 2014, at least, uh, uh, because we already saw many instances of this aggressive foreign policy 
um, and uh, you reacted just now, uh, just a couple of days ago, Germany, uh, that uh, was probably a very crucial player in the EU, decided to, uh, or allowed also to uh, supply weapons to, uh, to Ukraine. But uh, at the same time, Ukrainian people are really uh, thankful saying that it's better late than never <laughs> and uh, now um, they are waiting for um, swift very fast um, actions yeah or from the side uh, of you mentioned uh, swift swift actions you know there's lots of talk um, about sanctions and the effectiveness of sanctions uh, Sedlacek I'm sure you know his economics uh, book uh, the economics of good and evil he was one of Harvell's major economic advisors, um, he seems to believe that sanctions is a, a, a form of war and needs to be waged aggressively. I'm curious, um, uh, Mache, do you agree with Sedlacek? Can sanctions be uh, an effective way of fighting a, a military aggressor like Russia? Uh, well, Putin is going to lose it. It's just, unfortunately, it may take... A long time, yes, and so it's not really sanctions per se. It's combination of the incredible bravery and just like willingness to fight of the Ukrainian people and sanctions. Those together are going to create a mix, which is why I think you know many other cases that are used. Oh, sanctions are not that effective. You know, you really need to look at those two things together because I mean, um, we can see how. How Putin was, uh, you know, cocky about, oh, I'm going to like occupy the capital of the country of 45 million with like lightly armed paratroopers because it's it's a non-functioning state. And he was badly beaten. Of course, the horrible thing about it is uh, he doesn't want to cut, you know, the rational thing for him would be to cut his losses and go home. Um, but but of course he is you know too insecure and too proud for this, uh, and 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 this is creating this true catastrophe, which is this second wave. But 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 sooner or later, I have no doubt that Ukrainians are going to boot him out of this of their country. Uh, uh, and and well, sooner or later, it took Central Europe. I mean, it took Pol the Poles and the. The Hungarians and the Czechs, it took them 40 years to throw the Russians out. So sooner or later, is not very cheering for Ukrainians. Well, yes, but, you know, you have uh, quite a, a number of cases in recent uh, in, 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 in recent history. Uh, and I'm not comparing those in any moral terms. I'm simply making a point that um, occupying a country uh, that hates you is not an easy uh, it's it, it, it's it's not an, an easy feat and it's very clear that Ukrainians want no business with Vladimir Putin yeah? so so I'm not sure this is going uh, you know I th I think your prediction is is uh, is actually. Uh, incorrect. I think it's going to happen much sooner, but it's still. I hope so. I, ho I, I certainly hope I'm wrong. But, but, yeah. but, but it's, it's still going to be uh, too late for all those people who will perish. Exactly, and for the country that's being wrecked. Uh, Inet, you've got family still in Ukraine. You're from there. What's 
on on March 1, 2022. What's your sense of the the spirit of the Ukrainian people? Has this given them some spirit? Do they feel as if they have support overseas or as um, Maciej is suggesting, um, is this all too little, too late? Um, they, uh, so, I mean, of course, we have uh, different uh, um, moods uh, in Ukrainian population, but to the larger extent, uh, they are very uh, brave. They make uh, themselves ready to fight. Uh, so um, they uh, look to Ukrainian army that uh, show uh, heroic uh, deeds these days, uh, resisting to... Um, Russian invasion. Um, and uh, actually, we have all uh, around the country, even in small cities and small villages, uh, people are going out to the street and preparing to resist. Um, we know also uh, that some people in the uh, cities that have been already occupied, they um, went to the streets uh, without any weapons and just uh, shout at Russian soldiers uh, to go home. So um, it, it seems to me that there is a lot of bravery, there are uh, patriotism uh, and readiness to uh, to fight. But at the same time, they are. Uh, so when I talk to my um, relatives and family, they all ask me, uh, what is about EU? They look at every decision, every a kind of meeting of EU leaders and uh, uh, a kind of meetings in the White House. What is going on there? What are uh, they going to decide on sanctions? And just to pick up the idea that... Uh, um, we just talked about uh, sanctions are very welcomed uh, from Ukrainian side uh, because uh, they, so people they are saying that uh, it would make uh, uh, um, uh, Putin regime uh, um, uh, a kind of suffer, uh, but they are aware that uh, in, uh, in, it will be only a kind of short term perspective uh, 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 that. Um, would help them to survive and in short-term perspective these sanctions will not help help to stop tanks they will not help to uh, a kind of to stop uh, um, uh, bombing um, that's why they also look for some practical direct actions and at the moment uh, the idea that is highly promoted in ukrainian society is to ask for no flight zone uh, for ukrainian cities um, at least um, yes, and uh, this day, you know, uh, many also discussed not only in Ukraine, but also in the West, uh, whether Putin um, is really uh, ready to push the nuclear bottom, um, but uh, with the uh, um, kind of perspective of Ukrainians, um, this bottom is not so far in Russia. Uh, there is uh, a real a nuclear uh, threat uh, already in Ukraine. You heard probably that Russian uh, troops occupied the Chernobyl nuclear yeah, plant. Yeah, it's been a well-publicized story here. Yes. and Yeah, uh, I mean, the, are... uh, for a science fiction novel, uh, invading a country with an old nuclear catastrophe zone like Chernobyl is chilling fiction. In fact, it's particularly chilling. What about, you know, the issue of the Russian, so-called Russian minority in Ukraine. Uh, there are different interpretations here in the West. 
Are there some people living in Ukraine who are not necessarily disappointed with this invasion? Or do you think that the Russian invasion will have also encouraged Russian speakers to actually be hostile to Putin? Um, I, I think so that uh, it would have rather a reverse effect if Putin wanted somehow to um, uh, engage uh, with Russian speaking, uh, because we have uh, not so many Russian, but more Russian speaking uh, uh, population uh, in Ukraine across different regions, but mainly in the east and south part. Uh, then um, he uh, just uh, achieved the opposite. So I have Russian-speaking friends. Uh, we usually, uh, so our communication was in the way that I was writing in Ukrainian and then uh, they answered to me uh, in Russian. But since this couple of days, uh, they started to speak Ukrainian. Uh, yeah, well, so, that's uh, uh, cheering. Um, I want to come back uh to you, Mache, on the broader issue of Putin, you noted that he was too insecure and egotistical, perhaps, to back down. We've done a number of shows on the spread of authoritarianism from North Korea to China to Hungary to Poland and Philippines and Brazil, the United States, and above all else, uh, Russia. We did a show, for example, with Angela Stent on the paranoia and polarized nature of Putin's world. What's in his head, in your view, at the moment, Putin? How do we get into his head? So I am not a big fan of uh, a madman, Putin madman theory, which is gaining ground. I think it's I think it's cheap. I think it's intellectually unconvincing. The fact that somebody is insecure, that somebody is driven by uh, a, a crazy. Uh, genocidal ideas unfortunately doesn't well he, he may be a sociopath very much but in terms of him being crazy as if like he doesn't rationally calculate the decisions I don't uh, I, I don't buy it I think he miscalculated but you know miscalculation doesn't necessarily mean uh, you are insane again without any sort of comparison on moral grounds, although I strongly oppose American invasion of Iraq, it's not the same story. However, what is true is that uh, W. Bush, uh, Cheney and Rumsfeld did miscalculate badly at the time and nobody was calling them madmen. So so let's let's not uh, uh, have like this intellectually cheap off-ramp and, 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 uh, and agree that Putin has been uh, playing for a similar from a similar playbook for, for 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 more than a decade. He sees a country that he sees has a important strategic potential for him. He sees the country that in his mind and here he miscalculated is weak, uh, and um, and he attacks. That was that's what he did. It's the instinct of a bully, of a predator, isn't it? Well, or an instinct of an empire. Yes, which is uh, an, uh, a polite word for a bully or a tradition. Yes, in history. Uh, you know, what's your take on 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 Putin? Um, is he a madman? Is he rational? <laughs> if we stand up to him, will he back down? Um, I also agree uh, with Matthew that. Um, uh, talking about Putin, um, 
as a madman would rather reveal uh, that we apply a wrong system of coordinates, system of coordinates that is probably relevant for liberal societies, but Russia is not liberal one. And uh, so in um, terms of illiberal regimes uh, that re regime of Putin constitutes, it's very rational behavior, because if we look at the strategy of uh, his rule leg legitimation, then Putin relies strongly in the recent years, so not so much on economic or whatever performance of his regime, but rather on uniting the people around uh, ideas of external uh, uh, a kind of external threat that is coming from EU or liberal ideas and the search for betrayers within the country. Uh, and so um, uh, his cal personal cal calculations can be probably uh, uh, changed through the sanctions in the long run, but um, um, we need to understand that um, immediate effect could be even reverse, uh, you know, so what we can have at the end is a sort of rally around the flag effect, both uh, around populations that is uh, very uh, intensively manipulated through state media, through state propaganda on the one side. And then also uh, it is, uh, I think, not so... Um, um, likely to see any kind of defections on the side of uh, Putin's inner circle. Um, Maciej, um, you, of course, both of you teach at the Central, Universe, uh, Central European University. Uh, I went to your Budapest campus. I haven't to once interview your, your rector, uh, Michael Ignatiev. I haven't been yet to the Vienna campus where you're currently uh, broadcasting from. We're actually doing a show later this week on George Soros, uh, edited volume put together by my old friend Peter Osnos. Uh, Central European University has been in the eye of the right-wing authoritarian storm too. What's the feeling amongst the students on campus? Does this vindicate the mission of the CEU in some Absolutely. ways? Absolutely, yes. I mean, it's uh, suddenly those open society values are no longer, you know, just like everybody accepts them. We need to fight for them. We needed to move hundreds of faculty, uh, our families uh, to, a, to another country because we we, we mean it when we say, we say that we we, we, we we defend open society in academic freedom. And yeah, you even have um, you have an Ernest Gellner room and a Karl Popper room, which I visited in Budapest. I hope those have been brought to your Vienna campus, sort of underlining the principles of your open society. No, they are staying empty in downtown Budapest to remind all uh, the Hungarians who care to visit the downtown of their capital, of the cost of having this uh, right-wing regime. That instead of, you know, a lively campus that was the heart of the city with students from more than 100 country, countries, you have empty buildings. Yes, and, and I think that the decision of our university to keep those um, is very meaningful 
you started with you know a, cer a certain um, uh, less than elegant English expression uh, in the context of brave Ukrainian soldiers, but you know maybe that is maybe we as I said maybe we need to direct similar expression to some of our um, Central European authoritarians who are who should be completely discredited now because all their search for illiberal democracy and all this nonsense basically. Uh, make they they all now look ridiculous. Maybe they don't will not admit it, but they do. Yes, I mean there is no illiberal democracy. You can you know go a, a democratic, open society way, or you live in a country like Putin, the a Levada Center, one of the last independent places in Russia. Uh, just uh, released the poll that, uh, you know, more than 50% of young Russians want to leave the country. I mean, that's the failure. And that, and that was before this. God knows yeah. how many. Uh, yeah. um, I mean, Inna, uh, yeah. you, you're also uh, at the Central University, uh, mm -hmm. Central European University. Uh, as um, as Mache said, there are over 100 different nationalities. What's been the response of your students to this, particularly in the context of you being from the Ukraine? Um, many wrote to me uh, expressing their sympathy, offering uh, me uh, uh, to my family or relatives or friends uh, shelter um, provided uh, by their parents or by themselves. Uh, but I also uh, received the messages uh, from less liberal countries of our alumni students um, who were... Um, uh, expressing sympathy, but uh, they were also very careful with wordings that they choose. And um, I just wrote them that um, they are brave people. Uh, so I understand. What, places uh, like China? <laughs> um, not so far. Kazakhstan and, and so yeah, on. Yeah, I was just thinking, Asia. well, Kazakhstan yeah. had its own Ukrainian moment, which we seem to have conveniently forgotten a few months ago. I was actually in yeah. Ukraine, Kazakhstan last year. Yeah, but but you know, for many uh, Western students that also wrote for me, for them it was a sort of opening eye moment that uh, they realized that a, a kind of our normal values, what we are used to have here in the West, is not something that is just a sort of given. It is there that uh, it is a value uh, in these democratic institutions. There is value in freedoms in institutions and uh, that it can be taken just uh, a kind of hour the night. Yeah? Uh, for many, it, it sounds like they never expected something like this, but um, they, they were shocked. Many were shocked. So yeah, I um, had classes this day and uh, many of them uh, didn't want to talk about anything else. But well, that's, yeah, unfortunately, that's one of the reasons we're doing this show. It's it's on everybody's minds. Um, yeah. um, Mache, you began pushing back a little bit on uh, the idea that we can all have an attitude to to uh, to, to Putin, suggesting that there's something rotten, perhaps, about the, the politics of the West. Is there also something rotten, and you're an expert on this, on the economics of the West, which is enabling this? We've done a number of shows about the rotten economic system in the world, dirty money. We had Catherine Belton on the show, who's being sued in London by Putin's people. 
as well as Tom Burgess, uh, who's written a wonderful book on kleptopia. This is an area you know something about. Um, might this confrontation with Russia on the Ukraine, which is resulting in very radical sanctions, might it offer an opportunity to literally clean up the global economy of dirty money? I, I, I wouldn't be as optimistic, but, uh, but certainly from a European perspective, uh, it, is, uh, it is a wake-up call that we need to kind of decouple ourselves from this Putin's regime. I mean, there was, there was always, I mean, you know, Germany is a, well, a very, very wealthy state. It always could have, uh, you know, even if you agree with its, uh, I think, uh, ill-advised decision to go into renewables without nuclear power, close all the nuclear um, power stations. I think this was ill-advised. Of course, that made them completely dependent on um, natural gas. But even that, you know, we will see very soon that uh, they will be able to decouple and find different providers. They are, uh, you know, one of the wealthiest economies. So again, what I was pushing against is the idea that now we are all, you know, so so self self congratulatory. We are also brave, but it would be so much better for above all Ukrainian people if we made those decisions, the decisions that we are going to make anyways now. If we made them, you know, five years ago or even a year ago, uh, and 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 not push another ridiculous gas pipe from from Russia, but find different providers. Again, if you really want to do it, because, you know, I am a big fan of the French approach, which is clean, which is safe, and I'm sure... The and nuclear option, you're saying? Nuclear, yeah, nuclear, nuclear power plants. I mean, France is basically run on nuclear, you know, very efficiently run by a very competent state-owned company. And, I mean... You know, if anybody can run uh, nuclear power plants in a safe way, it's Germans. Yes. So, like, you know, uh, I, I, I think this was all pandering. Spoken as a poll, Mache. That's quite a compliment. Well, but like, actually, I think in Eastern Europe, Germany has this, uh, you know, good brand for being, uh, you know, well organized, and uh, and I think. Um, uh, you know, it was sad that Angela Merkel was pandering to, uh, you know, far left in Germany after Fukushima. This was an emotional decision. But anyways, as I am saying, even with that decision, you can decouple yourself from... from right, and I take people. that, but that's a long-term decision. Well, let's end, Mache, with one thing that can be done right now on March 1. What would you suggest? I, I would I would totally think uh, that they're not, uh, at least announcing the non-no-fly non zone to make Putin you know much more uncomfortable uh, would be would, would be an advisable decision. Yes, and and uh, I, I I honestly think you know your country uh, is. My, it's not my. I just happen to be living here. It's not really. Okay, all right. Okay, I'm sorry. I'm taking it back. The country you are living <laughs> I'm in. I'm Polish. No, I'm yeah. joking. <laughs> the country you are living in is maintaining the so-called strategic ambiguity uh, about Taiwan, which is 
you know, uh, on the, uh, uh, you know, under attack or like potentially under attack from another nuclear state. And somehow nobody is saying that this will inevitably lead to nuclear war. Again, it's the question of a madman versus rational. I mean, is Putin really going to to, uh, to start a nuclear war? Because, you know, in, in, in that case, you need to, you know, give in to any nuclear arm bully if if, if if that's your theory yes and so i so i so i think um there are measures uh, and and i think it was not well advised to in advance announce to the entire world that you know we are taking any military options off the table i yeah. I, I don't understand and you don't uh, us is not doing it with china and taiwan why did it do it with russia and ukraine Ina, let's end with you. Um, you mentioned the no-fly zone already. Is there something else uh, that we can do today, March one, to be to to to, to try to to get the uh, the colonial power, the imperialist power, out of your country? So um, I think we first of all. I, I, so I totally support no-fly zone. Is probably very uh, uh, necessary as. Uh, soon as possible to avoid uh, probably nuclear catastrophe with uh, nuclear plants that are in Ukraine. But uh, the other issues that would be good to have is the change of paradigm in the uh, thinking of Western politicians, of Western elites. Uh, because what we observed also, if we talk about these uh, gas and oil deals, that uh, they were always a kind of defended as being just business and having nothing to do with politics. Uh, but it seems uh, now at the moment that we are uh, at the point to change our minds, to see that it has something to do with politics and it's uh, the direct threat to European security. Uh, and so uh, it would be good that we change our own system of coordinate and see uh, how we can uh, make us less dependent on aggressive illiberal regimes and do everything possible. We are talking about a lot about sanctions and what they will cost uh, um, uh, for Russia. But uh, the uh, other questions that need to be uh, answered very clearly uh, in Western societies, how much we are going or we are ready to pay uh for uh not only for ukraine but only for uh, but also for our own security and peace yes so this is uh something that i want to to happen uh, and to stay uh for long well i hope uh we don't need another crisis to talk it's really been enlightening to have such forthright coherent articulate opinions from central europe from berlin um, from Ina and from Vienna, uh, from Marseille. Uh, good luck. Keep well. Um, I mean, hopefully, well, I'm sure the war isn't going to go to Berlin or or, or, uh, or Vienna. But nonetheless, uh, we'll, we'll stay in touch because I think your your view is is uh, is in some ways uh, a, a much more honest one, much less as uh, Mache says, self congratulatory one that comes out of America. So thank you so much, and we'll talk again in the not too distant future. Thank you for inviting us. Thank you.